Hello, you're listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello, my beautiful listeners, and welcome to Skylit. This is the Skylight Books podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, we're welcoming Corey Rosen to read from his new book, Your Story Well Told, Creative Strategies to Develop and Perform Stories that Wow an Audience. Afterwards, he'll be in conversation with me. But before I introduce him, I want to remind you that Skylight Skylight Books is now open for in-store browsing with limited capacity. So please adhere to all social distancing and CDC um, regulations, but come on by, bring your masks and have a fun time. Come pick up a book. We also offer curbside pickup and online ordering on our website, www.skylightbooks.com. So either way, you can still you can still order, you can still get a book from us. Um, all right, so Corey Rosen is an actor, writer, and visual effects producer who lives in San Francisco. He's a regular host of the Moth Story Slam series in the Bay Area, and his stories have been featured on the Moth Radio Hour and the Backfeds PDX main stage. Corey began his career writing for Jim Henson Productions in Comedy Central in New York City. As an actor, Corey can be seen as a main stage company player at BATS Improv, where he improvises feature length plays. His film credits as a VFX artist include Iron Man, Grid House, Ted, and The Phantom Menace. He recently wrote a script for a ride film at a Chinese theme park. Hi, Corey. It's great to, it's, it's great to have you on. I'm so excited. This could be a great episode. It's great. It is great to be here and how exciting that the bookstore is open. I believe me, it's exciting to have customers and to see everyone's faces. Well, uh, see every, the tops of everyone's faces, and it is so cool. There's nothing like being being in a bookstore. I mean, it's right. great that we can support Skylight and and buy them online and everything. But just being mm. in there, I mean, I went the other day just to, I went to see a friend of mine play music in a pizza place the other day, and it was like, wow, I'm drinking a beer in a pizza. Pl-. Like it felt so weird and so wonderful that like. You don't you don't realize how much we like these experiences until we've had them taken away. No, I was just talking to a friend like I will the, the before I see my family, before I see before I like go to the doctors, before I uh you know go to the bank, I will go to a movie theater and sit down there, pay half my rent in movie theater popcorn and just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. see I don't know Terminator's 18 or uh, <laughs> 
Star Wars. I'll see a Star Wars. I, I'll do what. I'll do whatever. Just I'll do see, it. Just do I'll it. See a Trolls movie. I will do it. I will see it. And this is no offense to anyone who works on Star Wars, Trolls, or ter- actually no. I'll stick with Transformers. I'm right. I'm right there. But mm-hmm. the other two. Not offended. Have, having having worked on Star Wars movies, I will take no offense at that. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for yeah. speaking on the, the behalf of the entire Lucasfilm company. Thank we are you. not. We are not offended. Yes. Um, so cool. It's so great. It's so great to be here. And um, I just want to thank you for for having me on and and Skylight Books for 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 making this great podcast. No, Eric, this is going to be a very exciting episode. So you have a reading for us today. I do. I'm going to read from uh, my book, Your Story Well Told, and I'm going to read from the first chapter, which is a true story. Ooh, take it away. I'm excited. Okay, here we go. Friday, 7.42 a.m. I got punched in the face in front of my daughter's school by another kid's mom. I drive my kids, Henry and Magnolia, to school every morning. It's a window of time that I cherish, 15 to 20 uninterrupted minutes together with my children, during which I can engage them in conversations about school, friends, and issues on their minds, and can teach them things that matter to me. I try to change it up so that we're not that dreaded family that stares at their phones as they drive, and every day has a little different routine. For example, Tuesday is a New Music Tuesday, where I curate a new-to-them playlist featuring a musical artist or genre with a short lesson. Fridays are current events where we discuss topics like restorative justice and conflict resolution as it relates to them, such as discussing strategies to dealing with bullying at school. Ignore them was the advice I offered. Bullies feed on your energy and nothing takes away their power like ignoring them. My 10-year-old daughter, now finishing fourth grade, keeps a journal logging the start and end times for our daily drive. And over the span of three years, she this log every day, expanding the columns in her spiral-bound notebook to include driver, mom or dad, total travel time, which siblings sat in the front seat for fairness, as well as a notes column, which generally tracked unusual activity or special cases that may have affected our ride to school. A particular highlight of our standard commute was the sighting of a specific father and son that waited for their bus on the corner of 26th and Castro Street. While some people may be seen on a regular basis, we took a particular liking to this pair since the father was always on his phone while the five or six-year-old child looked out and took in the world around him. Dad Son Corner was the name of this particular spot, and sighting of them elicited both a cheer in the car and a comment in the notes column of Noli's notebook. On other occasions, my car has broken down, I've forgotten and gone back for my bagel, and Henry's had a bloody nose, and all have been logged for posterity in her diary. So it's the last week of school, and we've left a few minutes past our normal departure time. It's precisely 7.28 a.m. Now, the school my kids attend, Rooftop, is in the Twin Peaks neighborhood of San Francisco, one of the highest elevations in the city beneath the iconic Sutro Tower. The final approach to school is a narrow, winding two-lane road in a residential district. As I'm driving, I see a vehicle stopped in the opposite lane and a man standing on the right shoulder of the road. Sensing that he is waiting to cross the street, I slow to a stop to let him cross, and while I am doing this, an aggressive jerk behind me not seeing why I stopped, leans on their horn with a punishing "Ah!" Now, I am not a fan of road ragers. Tailgaters, honkers, and overly aggressive drivers push me 
to the opposite emotional state. The, drive, the closer that they drive or the louder they honk, the slower I drive or act more cautiously rather than less. So ignoring the pest behind me, I assess the situation to be safe. I roll forward and as I do, the vehicle on my tail keeps up the assault, honking and yelling. And my reaction is to drive just as slowly and then to pull out the move. Now, I did not invent the move, and I am surely not the only one that I know that uses it. The move, of course, is when some irritating tailgater is closely following you and you step on the brake, forcing them to also brake. In its best usage, the tailgater gets the message and backs off. This motorist does not, and the honking and fury escalate. They then proceed to a straight-up unsafe move in any situation to overtake me, crossing the double yellow line on this narrow winding road just a few blocks from an elementary school during peak drop-off rush hour. It's precisely 7.42 a.m., I know, because it is logged in my daughter's diary, when I pull the second move. I speed up. As she attempts to unsafely overtake my car, I accelerate and close the gap as we reach the school's drop-off line. So the angry driver is now trapped in the oncoming traffic lane with no room to merge back into the proper lane. Now, this is typically where most road rage encounters conclude. Drivers exchange middle fingers or colorful language and feeling that they were in the right and the other person was not, go on their way and on with their day. But this is not how this day progresses. No, I pulled my, my orange Mini Cooper to the side of the road, let my daughter out, but before I can continue on to the middle school campus to drop off my son, I see a woman stomping towards my car. In front of dozens of parents, teachers, and crossing guards, she stops beside my open car window. My son's in the passenger seat looking at me with concern as the woman screams, you made me almost hit you. Breathing deeply in an effort to maintain my own composure in the face of a cursing, angry mother, I say, ma'am, I think you should take a deep breath and calm down. Now saying calm down to an angry person is the worst thing I could have said. I see fire in her eyes and I have nowhere to run or move. In a plea for mercy, I improvise. My child is in the car. Then it occurs to me, she is outside. I am inside. If I close the car window, the encounter will end. So I reach for the switch, but before the car window can close, her right jab catches me across the jaw and ear. Ow! Throwing my car into first gear, I flee, leaving the woman standing in the road behind me, screaming obscenators. That's right! Run away! Leaving wide-eyed bystanders all around, I accelerate forward to Henry's campus, abandoning the frenzy that I've just created. Pulling the car over to drop Henry off, he turns to me. Why did that woman hit you, Dad? It occurs to me that I screwed up. Here I am trying to model good behavior, but the aggressive jerk inside me revealed itself. Well, I antagonized that woman by the way I drove. She shouldn't have honked at me, but I did the wrong thing. And of all the lessons I've tried to teach my kids on our short drives to school, this may have been the most clear. Watching their father do the wrong thing, antagonizing an angry person, fueling a situation that led to physical violence. Maybe you should have just ignored her. Yep, I did the wrong thing.
On the last night of the school year, Noli updated her daily diary log in a Google spreadsheet graphing the travel to school data she'd collected all year. That morning's incident was logged for posterity and in all of our memories. May 27th, arrival time 7.42 a.m. Notes, dad punched in the face. I, wow, that was, <laughs> that was a story. You know what? Your book, the title makes sense now. Your story is well told because you told that story very well. <laughs> no, I, um, Corey, the, like anyone who you just, you should put this audio recording, like in, I don't know how you could put it on a book. You know how like the children's books have it? We could press a button in here. That should be this. I don't, you should, we should reinvent that for like adult, um, like, I totally agree. We should merge audiobooks and textbooks together where you can just like hit a button or maybe just add a QR code or something, scan this page to hear the author read that page. Exactly. You know what? Yeah. You're right. We all have smartphones at this point. We should be doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it was, it's definitely fun. It's fun to relive, to retell that story because A, it's a real thing that happened to you. It's a real memory. Um, B, you know, it's in the past now in my life. You know, my daughter is now a couple of years older than that story happened. You can tell because we're in COVID times. My kids haven't gone to school in a year. But uh, but anyway, the uh, the concept of it is great because it's now this snapshot, this moment that I've, um, you know, a experienced, but also now I can look back on it and I can see, you know, my kids at a certain age, myself at a certain like level of experience. And it helps me to understand like how stories help to connect us to things that have happened in our lives, uh, kind of make sense of the things that have happened so that they elevate themselves beyond just like this crazy thing that's happened, this mom punched me in the face to like, I learned something, I noticed something, I observed something, and it, it led to a moment that made itself into a story. And I know this is probably like, I probably should ask this at the end, but I want to ask this now. Are you doing, are you doing an audiobook version of the story, to, of this book too? It's so funny you ask. There is an audiobook. It is not me, um, but the reader is amazing. I have been listening to my own book because it just, you know, it just came out, but the audiobook came out and he's great. I mean, he's like, he's got the real like movie trailer voice and he just does like a beautiful version. So mm -hmm. it's not me. It's not my voice telling the story, which you know, it's nice in some way because it's yeah. authentic to the storyteller, but it's also, it's very pleasant to listen to. So I really enjoy the audiobook. Well, I have nothing bad to say about that person then, and I won't say, but I, but <laughs> if a special edition years come out with your voice, send it over because I want to hear Oh, it. oh, Lance, I'm going to Taylor Swift this. Please. I am totally Taylor Swifting my whole catalog. This gonna be your I'm going to re-record all of my written book. <laughs> know that? I mean, Own the Masters. Own the masters, own the masters, and just you know, put it out there. I think put it out with that same Taylor Swift uh, like visual too. You got to have that visual. I think you pull it off. I'm it'll like that like, visual. It would just be me. Off. Yeah, yeah, just in a field, gold tint to it. Yeah, you can pull it off. Um, perfect, perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> perfect. No, I, I was very, I was very in. Also, are you a voice actor? Because like you have a voice actor quality too. I, I am a voice actor, so you would you would think that I should read my own audiobook, but it's okay. At this point, um, it's we live in special times, yeah. and uh, we're help we're helping the voice actor economy by spreading the work around. Well, if just because I want to hear what stuff you've been in, what voice acting stuff have you yeah. been in? I mean, most of my voice acting is stuff that you wouldn't you're not supposed to know that it's me. It's me, you know, on the radio selling, you know car insurance and things like that. So um, that's 
that's been a lot of it. Um, I do, I'm, you know, I'm also like on the radio in San Francisco, I do movie reviews and things like that. So I, I am part of a show called the Sarah and Vinny show, which mm. is sort of our, you know, local drive time, wacky morning show. Um, oh, but it's, it's good yeah. fun. Yeah. I mean, all of those shows have shaped me into who I am as an adult. So you're out there shaping some skin kid to become a podcast producer at a local bookstore one day. And that's important. Maybe that's important. Maybe. <laughs> and I, I mean, true. I mean, if I, if I could, if I could shape people into anything, it would be, um, you know, like sort of the, the subject of my, my interest right now is about listening to people tell their stories Mm -hmm. and to see like how can how can we do it better you know how can we tell our own stories better right. because Lance be honest I mean you interview a lot of people you don't have to name names but occasionally are there some some stories that sort of ramble off into to nowhere you know what's yeah but I and not 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 in ways that like I'm just like oh this is oh we have to do uh, like tighten it up or anything but in a way I'm like as a as a person who is also a writer myself, I'm just like, oh, that could be cut. That could, we could cut from that. Or uh, you could tighten this and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you, we'll talk about it after. We'll talk about it after. I'll name names after. I'm okay. Name names. Yeah, well, but, I mean, but the, the point here is exactly yeah, that. Yeah. I think that all of us, I mean, let's just be face it, like the word storyteller is sort of overused these days and like mm -hmm. everyone's a storyteller because we're all telling stories all the time. Right. But the concept is this, is we're also story critics. So we're all listening to people tell stories and we're all you, we're all going wrap it up, dude, or like get to the point or what the hell is this about? Like there is a, a sense of not knowing what the heck we're talking about and going on and on. And so there's this thing that I have encountered both with my own, my own self and with, you know, students and people that I've, that I listen to, you know, that get on stages and perform or just people that are talking over, you know, coffee mm. is that there's a concept of what is the point of this story and mm. taking any moment in our lives. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, we say like, tell me a story. Like some of those people will go to like their big story, like, right. oh, well, here was this scary thing that happened or here was this, you know, like life-changing moment or this big relationship or this big breakup or this big, you know, fight that I got in or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Getting punched in the face by that mother, I wouldn't say is like a defining moment in my life, mm -hmm. but by framing a story around that, by taking a moment, any moment, what I kind of found was what I was able to do was to then let that little moment reflect on something else of like my relationship with my kids, my relationship with trying to be a dad and trying to teach my kids lessons only to screw it up myself. Mm -hmm. So while the story is, you know, about getting punched in the face, like that's the action of the story. I would argue, I mean, that's not a story about getting punched in the face. It's a story about, about messing up and learning, right? It's a story about, about the bubbles, I think, that we put ourselves in, you know, in the case of like our bubble with my kids and, and passing these other bubbles, dad's son corners and that, I mean, what kind of a morning was that woman having that would get out of her car and punch another person in the face right. for breaking in front of her, you know, like she was, you know, now in context, I look at we all are in our own stories. We're all in our own worlds. And the version of that story that she tells, I'm sure is very different. Like I am such the bad guy in her version of that story. Right. Yeah. I like devil years and like, Oh um, yeah. Yeah. This mustache that you're twirling the entire time. She's yeah. the hero. 
She's the hero. She is. She is. She was wrong that day in her version of the story, just as we all are in our versions of the story. So that's kind of the fun of storytelling for me is these things happen and they're incidents and they're anecdotes and they're, you know, moments, moments in our lives. But when we kind of microscope them and we kind of look at those moments, we discover like these are teachable moments or these are, you know, uh, aspects of our life that we can now examine and draw some meaning from or entertainment from or whatever sort of the, the possible outcomes are that could lead us to having like a story worth telling. And that's sort of the, the idea is let's tell better stories. Let's tell better stories. I, I mean, yeah. I think that's a great um, aspiration for anybody. Like anybody not a story yeah. not a i don't know who are people who tell stories regularly everyone tells stories well that's the thing everyone does if you have ever gone on a date you've been you've told the story right if you ever applied for a job you've told the story if you've ever had to explain yourself out of like you know a situation why you why are you late you know like whatever yeah. it is story you know a story is is sort of a good tool to do that you know have you ever had to give a toast at a wedding or someone's birthday party like like we're doing it all the time and we're not we're not always doing <laughs> doing the best job i feel like i just want you like giving story advice to like the most like obscure like go to court and help like a person on stand like tell a story or like go to like uh like go to do an oceans like 11 type situation where you have to like tell stories tell about you're the you're the storyteller in that situation you're the one who's telling okay you're the um waiter but like you have to spill this thing because you're having a terrible like give that a bad yes one. yes it's like I, in their ear it's like the Cyrano de Bergerac like you're in their ear telling them this is the story to tell like yeah. oh shoot you just got pulled over by a cop this is what you got to say like I'm just like your your <laughs> human storyteller you know yeah. advice thing that's a that's so, that's gonna be my app so we're putting this out to anyone who's doing an Ocean's Eleven type situation. <laughs> Hire Corey. He's ready. He's ready to work. He's he'll yeah, be. A this it, I, I will say this would be my first heist, my mm -hmm. first actual heist. But I, I am willing to. I mean, to, uh, you, you watch heist movies, I'm guessing, right? There's love yeah, them. love them. all of them. You're basically you're an expert. Like you've done it. You totally. you've done it. Like just we'll we'll get George Clooney as like a reference, and we'll just like it'll be fine. George Clooney and Brad. <laughs> no. Um, Oh, we can go on for days. This is gonna be yeah. it's gonna be fantastic. Yeah. Um, so my first question for you is, what is your like? What is the origins of your storytelling? Like, what 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 made you as a kid say, "Hey, this is it"? Whether like, you know, I'm gonna wrap this up. Yeah, about to be like, wrap it up, Lance. Tighten it up. No, I'm joking. Um, no, no, this is a great question because you're right. I think everyone, like we said before, everyone yeah. has stories. We're always telling stories. Mm -hmm. And there's that thing of like, when do you kind of, I guess my origin as a, as a storyteller is different than my origin as like as a writer, mm -hmm. because I'll be honest, I think a lot of writers, probably people who listen, are listening to this podcast or are working on their own writing are similar to me, which is that I'm a lazy writer. Like there is a part of me that does a lot of not writing and talking about writing and thinking about writing and saying I'm writing, but not writing. There's a lot of like going on up in here. And there's you're a great, you're a writer. Um, That's just your writer. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a great quote that if you're, if you're, if you're not, if you're waiting, waiting for inspiration to write, you're not a writer, you're a waiter. <laughs> right. Oh God. <laughs> I, so, oh. so I was like that. I was, I was, um, I wanted to write more and I would, would sort of was, you know, um, 
overwhelmed by like the blank page and the blinking cursor and like where do I start because like a lot of people I would start writing something and then I would start critiquing it all already you know I don't like that that first paragraph doesn't sound authentic I would go back and rewrite and rewrite and end up with nothing it was the proverbial crumpling up the paper and throwing it and missing the garbage can scene and so many student films you know it's like the, the number the one hoop over the trash can yeah yeah <laughs> always you know every student film or every student filmmaker has made the movie about not having an idea and they just write the idea about not having the idea so what i started doing was improv like i started going to improv classes cafes places like that because what i found is i might have no ideas when i'm alone at home but mm -hmm. if i get on stage and i'm playing a game stuff just comes out I'm like oh that was fun and that was interesting and that was a character yeah. and that was a story and then I would go home and I would sort of write it in my journal and I would like have material and I would feel inspired. Mm -hmm. So for me, finding a thing that I did that I could write about or a way in connected me to that. And then I stopped writing altogether. I was like, I'm just going to improvise because I don't have to write anything down because I'm writing in live in real time and sort of performing and acting. And I loved that. And then somewhere in, in my story, in my journey, they, they merged where there is this thing called The Moth, which is a storytelling show and podcast and radio show. And they started doing live shows where people, anybody could get on stages and tell their stories. So I started attending that where now I'm telling true stories of my life. But in my case, I'm basically using the things that I had sort of gathered and learned from being an improviser, like being, having a story, but also reading the room and being present and using some theater skills and some narrative skills and putting all of those together. And so that was a world that I really just enjoyed and loved and did a deep dive in because it wasn't just, it wasn't just making up stories like improv does. And it wasn't just telling stories like to my friends and family, but it was merging those worlds together. And so ultimately that's what led to, to me crafting a book about it. Because what I thought is, is the way that I do that blends those worlds, the, the world of improvisation. Although I don't think everybody needs to like take an improv class or be an improviser to do this, but understanding like, how does, the mindset of an improviser work in terms of like saying yes to your own ideas, turning off the critic that sits on your shoulder that tells you that's a stupid idea. Um, you know, vomiting out drafts, like getting past the blank page and separating ideation, like having ideas and doing the writing from editing and fixing and not letting those overlap. Because if we start editing, then we're just playing whack-a-mole with every creative idea that we have. And so the idea is just create, just just get things out, write things down, know that most of them are going to be changed or maybe abandoned. But the more you're doing it, the more you're in the habit and the practice of doing it and the better you get at it. And being a storyteller is also that added like elevated sort of thing where it's like, I'm not just writing it now, I'm getting on a stage and telling it to hundreds of people. You know, I'm going on a stage and I'm, I'm, I'm having to like elevate my own game and broadcast it out to the world, even when I know it's going to be a little imperfect. It's going to be okay because I think that real stories come out a little bit imperfect. If somebody gets on a stage and they tell a perfect verbatim, word for word, beautiful monologue, it might be real, but it also might feel really fake because it feels performed. Whereas if somebody screws up a little bit, ums, uhs, or 
veers off on a tangent because they just remembered something and you watch that person light up in their own memory, it's really exciting and captivating to watch people be in their own stories and remember them because it adds realism, authenticity, and credibility to, to that. That, I mean, I, wow. I think you just birthed a new generation of improvising. So if the cops are going to be looking for you, I just want you to know they're criminal number one, just wanted. I am. Sorry. I mean, if you listen closely, Sorry. you can hear all the MacBooks closed in all the coffee shops and foot in people <laughs> the closest you see theater or second city. They're running. They're on their way. Do it. So warning. Do it. You, I mean, the truth. Yeah. But the truth is those places, UCBs and Improv Olympics and Bats Improv, where I am in San Francisco, Impro Theater in LA, like mm -hmm. there are, of course, there's classes for people that want to perform, but I just really, really believe that the skills that are taught in those classes transcend that. They're good for, they're good for lawyers, they're good for teachers, they're good for artists, they're good for preachers, they're good for mm -hmm. podcasters. You know, I think everybody kind of learning and practicing the art of not just having ideas, but mm -hmm. listening to other people and riffing off of their ideas and building co-creating is a really cool and powerful um, skill to develop for ourselves to make us better communicators. I now will go only to like be in a class with a preacher, a lawyer, <laughs> like just like, I want to see what that, what will come from it. I feel like, you know what's, I feel yeah. like the person who will do all the dirty jokes is the preacher. I don't know why, but like it has Could to be. be. Right? I've had, I've had them. Cause I teach, you know, I teach storytelling classes and mm -hmm. I've actually had in my classes, I've had uh, like Episcopalian ministers. I've had hospice nurses who have mm -hmm. incredible, powerful stories of, you know, end of life stories and just feeling inside of her. Like I, have been told these stories how can i communicate these out to the world lessons that she's learned from other people because think about that think about the things that people say when they're at the end of their lives and they're now you know like unloading those things yeah. like there's some some stories that we have that we carry along with us mm -hmm. i mean one of my favorites my favorite moments too is a story that i heard told live at a show where a guy got up on a stage and he admitted that he had never told the story to anybody anywhere he just put his name in the hat like as a joke mm -hmm. and he ended up confessing a secret that he had never told to anyone in front of 400 strangers and his two daughters and one of their boyfriends and his mother so he had his family he had all of this stuff and so before he even said a word of the story the stakes were so high because we're all sitting there like what the hell is this story going to be and it was a doozy god i oof. yeah and what you're talking about is obviously daniel daniel Kluya at the oscars the other day saying that his <laughs> that's sex, right yeah obviously that's that obviously ah. that story yes <laughs> no i mean but it's it's crazy to think that like yeah that's everyone experiences storytelling in that way where I definitely yeah. afterwards want to hear that story about the nurse because that's but also I feel like this is a setup of a great joke a uh, preacher a nurse and a lawyer walk into a uh, an improv storytelling class, class. yeah <laughs> <laughs> definitely the makeup of a joke um what is I don't if you can share it what is the funniest or just most surprising or amazing improv experience that you've had so far in your life or story experience. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, several kind of like improv is a funny world yeah. because I don't know uh, other improv if there's other improvisers that are listening to this, but it's like 
improv uh, improv improvised scenes mm. can be incredibly memorable and sticky for an audience where they see something they remember something and the performer forgets it instantly like this thing sometimes happens when you're making something up where you're so in the moment at the time and you're creating it that and it happens and it's so perfect because it's right now because all you're doing is riffing off of a, another person or a suggestion or something and it happens and then I mean kind of the craft of improvising is the craft of being like in the moment not being too much in the past or in the future mm -hmm. so it's that thing of like developing that skill of just being here now mm -hmm. um uh, that said, one one moment comes to mind that I, I just loved on stage. There was a show I was doing in San Francisco, Bats Improv, mm -hmm. and the suggestion I think was everyone's got hair or something like that. Everyone has hair was the the suggestion. Yeah. And so I was doing a scene. I was um, in a barber shop. Mm -hmm. And there was a musical improviser playing music. So it became a song, like the opening song of a show. And I'm mopping the floor. And uh, I think it goes like this. I'm sitting all alone in my shop. It's just me, the chair, the mirror, and my mop. I'm standing all alone with an empty chair. What's the matter? Everyone has hair. Wow. So it basically, I know, right? And it, and it led to a story about, I think it was the 60s and people were growing their hair. No one was getting haircuts. So the trouble for this barber was, what do you do when no one's cutting their hair? Um, weirdly applicable, I think, to the last, the last 12 months of our lives. I mean, this is just like, I... I was just like, how would you ever do that? And then, <laughs> like, what story? I would have been like, no, no, next. <laughs> no, that, wow, genius, yeah. genius, genius, yeah. genius, genius. You are, I don't, like, who needs certifications when you have that story? <laughs> like, yeah. put that on, yeah. you, you should put that story on the back. As, like, you know, the blurbs are on the back of the books. Put yeah. that there. And I feel like people would be, like, sold. Yeah. This man knows how to tell stories. Now, um. Could be. I mean, honestly, though, like, I don't think that there's anything particularly sp special. about. I mean, yes, I like it. And it was memorable for me because it sort of all came together. But the the trick with this, and I think this is a, a maybe a tip for for your listeners, mm -hmm. is when you are writing, when you're crafting, just like when you're improvising, is don't reach for the most interesting. It doesn't have to be the most clever thing at all. All I did in that song, I just saw it in my mind i made i painted a mental picture of what have i got i've got a chair a mirror a mop and i just listed the things that were there i'm right. sitting alone in my shop i'm thinking about the mop okay i got a mop something to rhyme with the chair the mirror and my mop standing alone with an empty chair so it was a suggestion what's the matter everyone has hair all i used was i just grew the suggestion a little bit. I didn't go to the far corners and sort of the realm of possibility, all the things I could have talked about. So sometimes if you just like water the seed, start with what you've got and ask yourself what comes next. You know, there's a game. You want to play a game? Yeah, I'm 100%. Yes, 100%. Okay, yeah. this is a story. This is a storytelling game, right? Okay. And so what's going to happen is I'm going to start to tell a story. I'm going to make up a story. Mm -hmm. And from time to time, I'm just going to ask you what comes next. Mm -hmm. And just be obvious. Like whatever the next thing that you think is, okay. is going to happen. Whatever you say. Mm -hmm. don't You don't have to be clever. You don't have to be funny. You don't have to be deep, whatever. Just say what comes next. And I'm going to say exactly. 
And whatever you say, I'm going to take that and I'm going to roll it in to okay. the story. Okay, so let's start. What right. comes first? What comes first? How does the story begin? Um, oh, God, now see, I'm stuck already. No, I'm joking. But, don't, but anything, uh, so be obvious. A man walks into a bookstore. Exactly. A man walks into Skylight's books, right? And he looks around and he sees all of this, this uh, books that have been sitting there uh, for a year untouched. And um, what comes next? Um, a bookcase falls. A bookcase, exactly. A bookcase falls over. And the man is, is right next to the bookcase and he's holding the bookcase and he's holding this very heavy bookcase. It's leaning on him. And what comes next? A bookseller walks by. A bookseller walks by, exactly. And the bookseller says, sir, sir, do you need help? And what comes next? He says, no, I'm good. He says, no, I'm good, I'm good. And he pushes the bookshelf back up on the wall. And just then one book falls out into his hands. What comes next? Uh, the book is the vagina monologues. Exactly. The book is the vagina monologues. And the man takes this as a sign that this book was the book that I was meant to buy. And he walks up to the counter at Skylight. And he puts it on the counter. And what comes next? Um, the cashier tells him it's 60 bucks. The cashier said it's 60 bucks because Eve Ensler signed it. And it's the first ever copy of this book. And just then, who walks in the door? Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, exactly, walks in the door and he says, you have won the prize. As a book consumer in a store, I am giving you the keys to the kingdom. And he hands him the key to Amazon.com. The end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That went somewhere I didn't expect. But, uh, I, but did you see what kind of happened in that game? Yeah. No, that was fun. What I, but I saw the, the storytelling was fun. The storytelling was like, yeah, it was easy. It was effortless, but it was yeah. compelling. What I like too is that you you saw, like I got, felt that you could see it in your mind. You saw the bookshelf falling. You saw the bookseller. You saw the, the, the person ringing up the book. You saw Jeff Bezos. Like using our minds, adding details and colors to our stories uh, helps to balance those two aspects of it and it makes it kind of effortless. I mean, the way that we were just kind of riffing back and forth led to a, uh, a quirky little story about a man buying a book. Well, and it was, it, the entire time I was like, wow, this is, this is a fantastic Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Just like, yeah, like, yeah. And I'm like, exactly. And what I'm saying is let's make yeah. it, let's do it. Let's make it. Let's so that's kind of how my, that's how my mind works. Yeah. Yeah, but that's also how kind of how my mind works. I get into a spirit of student mm -hmm. to the exactly mindset, which is to say, like when I'm coming up with something, I'm just going to go with it and see where it leads because maybe it'll lead somewhere interesting, maybe it won't, and regardless, it's going to take me somewhere. And maybe the place that it takes me is going to actually lead, as you just said, maybe this isn't a story about the bookstore at all. This is a story, a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory story, set in the modern era where somebody becomes the new, you know, lord or lady of Amazon. <laughs> I mean that. This is this that's so much fun, but I have yeah. another question for you, which I feel like yeah, is go for it. Equally important um, to all of this. What made you stop and say, "Hey, I need to tell. I need to teach people how to tell better stories for their benefits." But I need to do this. Is this mm. is my next goal? This is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, for me, I mean, I know there's a lot of people who aspire to write a book or that sort of thing. 
that actually was, that's not my journey. The thing that I wrote was weird and I don't want to sound a woo woo on you, but it was like, I got to a point in my life. I mean, I'm in my forties where I just felt like I have a book in me. And I think there was times in my life where I was telling stories. I was laboring to write things. I was telling things that, that didn't have sort of the traction or the, or the sort of juice behind them. But this was something that came, it was very personal because it was a way for me to not only kind of convey this sort of three-part system that I use for coming up with ideas, structuring them, and then performing them, but it also enabled me to tell some of my stories, tell stories that I've heard that other people have told, and do it in a way where it's less about like, hey, look, these are all awesome stories, but more in the sense of like, I have my own stories. How can I take a story that's a good frame of a story or maybe the beginning of a story, but how do I take any story and and shape it and craft it into a story worth telling? Right. And that's sort of that was sort of the aspiration that I have and really the direction that the book took, which is that it's not just you're buying a book of my stories. What you're doing is you're yes, you're going to read some of my stories and other people's stories. But what I hope it does is that it's a workbook as well, that you're going to read this. It's going to make you connect with an, a memory or an aspect of your own life that you hadn't thought about as a story. And you might actually find inspiration that you never expected before because you might find like, oh, I've been working so hard on this idea that's just not going anywhere. But meanwhile, right next to you is something that you could develop. And so that's one way that I found like a real inspiration for, for people's stories is to truly look at your life now. Mm -hmm. Like look at a thing that happened today, like me dropping my kids off at school, right? Like. Mm -hmm. Take a thing that happens now and maybe real life. Like, does this take me back to middle school? Like we were talking before this interview, I'm going to out myself. So I was in the movie version of the, of, right. But are we short on time? Should I not go into it? Cause I was, yeah. Go into it. Go into it. No, you're good. Okay. I can do it short too. No, 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 no. Go. I'm not in a rush. Okay. Great. Great. So, so that kind of reminds me of a, of, of something that happened before mm -hmm. this interview, before we started recording Lance and I. I'm starting it again. All right. I'll try one more time. So here's an, here's an example of that. Before this interview, Lance and I were talking and Lance was uh, kind of acknowledging that I was in the movie Rent, the musical Rent. And, um, and it's true, I played the Life Cafe manager in the La Vie Boheme scene. And um, Lance starts nerding out about like what an important movie this was to you, to him, that where like here it's sort of now in the story of this might take you back in time mm -hmm. to middle school or to whatever time in your life where you see that movie, love that movie, how you connected with that story and that part of yourself. Mm -hmm. So the story of now, of us talking now, could take you back in time to something, maybe a realization or a discovery or an aspect of your life that you haven't thought about in a long time. And then you might book in that story by coming back to wrapping up this interview with me and how you've changed or you've grown or you're different in some way now than the you that was back then. Mm -hmm. 
So this is a way that if we just look at what's around us right now, we actually might find inspiration, motivation, and, and substance that we could connect to other story-worthy times in our own lives and experiences that are worth telling. And they might be memories that we've buried or haven't thought about in a long time. Mm -hmm. And when we tell those, people might be like, oh my God, that's such a great story that you didn't even know you had in you. But it gets awakened by being open to what is happening. It, and you're right. Like, I mean, even when we talked before, like I was telling you how I like, it did unlock a memory of like my parents realizing the that like how inappropriate this movie was for like a be <laughs> watching and i was just like no 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 it's not they were like my parents were like is this a movie about people getting aids and i was like no 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 and that's probably the journey of me becoming a pathological liar so I, <laughs> there you go unlock that for me you unlock that for me um because we probably should start wrapping up because even though i don't want to and i could go on for another hour could you for a, a last thing to the audience, could you tell a story, a fun story about being on that set of Rent? That would give oh, me- Oh, sure. And sorry, listeners, this is for me. This is fully for me. I no. selfishly want to hear this. 100%. So um, so I I have made my, my kind of career before, you know, sort of storytelling and writing for me is some sort of a, a third act in some way for me. Mm -hmm. um, I've made most of my career in- um, visual effects, like sort of behind the scenes and doing, you know, uh, movie special effects, visual effects for movies, working at places like Lucasfilm and, and Disney and Tippett Studio. And um, when I got the opportunity to audition for the movie Rent, they were shooting it here in the Bay Area, which is where the director lives. So the auditions were on Treasure Island, which is this little island in between San Francisco and Oakland. It's basically like halfway. And so um, I got an audition and it's like, but I had a day job. I had a full time job that I was like, sure. I can't just leave work to go audition for this thing. But it was Rent. And I am a nerd. I am a musical nerd. I love movies. I love musicals. I love to sing. And I love I love this play this musical and i was like i've got to audition for it and so it was perfect timing it was like a 12 45 audition so i like leave work at like 12 15 it's lunch so i jam over to treasure island i get to this military base building and i get there and there's a friggin' room full of people all waiting and i'm like fuck i have got no time for this i can't do it and i'm just like kind of uptight and i'm and they're all nervous probably about their audition i'm nervous about losing my great job and so finally when they call me in it's like 1 30 now and i'm like i have got a two o'clock meeting i have got to get back so i go into the room and my character is this uptight life cafe manager and i think i just said the line as fast as possible i was like no please no not tonight please leave you know you sit all night you never order anything get out of here and I remember the faces of the casting director just like, oh, that was, that was really good. And so, and I'm just like, great, thanks. And I leave because I've got other things on my mind. So I get in my car, I drive back to work and I get there, I make my meeting. And then I get a phone call from my agent who's like, they wanna see you, can you come back? And at this point I'm like, oh Jesus, when? And they're like, now. <laughs> so I finished my meeting and now I'm just like, all right, everything's on the line. So I get back in my car, I drive back and I get to the thing, I walk in the room and now the director of the movie is there. And I just figure in my head, I'm just gonna do it the same way that I did it before. And I was just annoyed. And what I think I realize is that 
everybody else who probably came in for their for this audition was doing it like it was in the musical like you sit all night you never buy that's a lie that's a lie i had a tea the you know like and i didn't do it that way i did it like how would i be if i was the manager of this cat anyway i got the part it led to a week of being on set shooting this movie with anthony rapp adina menzel jesse martin i mean it was Incredible, incredible experience. Tay Diggs, and um, even though I just had this one little moment where Rosario Dawson grabs my cheeks, um, yeah. you can find the scene online or something. But um, it was a it was a dream, a dream come true for me, and uh, experience I'll never forget. I just just one of those full circle moments for me because that's a movie I watched. I own on DVD. I could probably find it somewhere in my apartment. Yeah. Um, I watched hundreds of hundreds of times. So like, wow, this is this is it. This is it for me. I'm just, I want you to know the only reason I got you on is because I found that in like, like <laughs> get this guy on. I don't care. He wrote a book, sure. Get him. He's a rent guy. <laughs> I'm joking. No, this has been a fantastic episode. Thank you so much, Corey. Thank um, you. This is, I just, I feel like I've learned so much about one storytelling to my own secret musical theater history, which I have to go. <laughs> I guess it's going to come back to me now. But three, like, just like, I just, I, it just, how to like, how important stories are for all of us, no matter who yeah. we are. And I think that's, um, I hope the listeners find that out too. If you guys, you all tell stories in your everyday lives. And what we're here to tell you is you could be better at it. And so be yeah. better. And so buy Corey's book so you can be better at it. I uh, at Skylight. At Skylight. At Skylight Books. You can you can buy it. And the book is called Your Stories, Your Story Well Told, Creative Strategies to Develop and Perform Stories That Wow an Audience. And you can order right now at www.skylightbooks.com or come in the store and grab it. And we will have it on display for you guys to come by. So come by. And Corey, do you have any last things you would like to say to the Skylight community or just independent bookstore community as a whole? Um, I mean, to the community, I say thank you for supporting independent bookstores. I think we live in a world where it's so easy and convenient to like go to specific websites and you think you can get things there. Um, we are in a time where I think we're realizing the value of having communities and community stores, especially bookstores, that we can hold a thing and visit them. And I so appreciate and I've been telling everybody to please support your local bookstores and buy buy my book there. There. No other book, just Corey's book. Buy <laughs> well, just if you yeah, and also you could buy it as a gift. You can buy it as a gift and you should because Buy it for that friend of yours who keeps telling that same story and you're bored and just be like, I feel like it's a, this is a nice way to be like, tell, tell a friend, hey, you could be better at this. And you <laughs> might lose that friend, but they'll tell that story better. <laughs> they'll tell that story better. Um, um, no, this has been fantastic. Thank you again, Corey. And thank you to all my beautiful listeners out there for just coming back every week and come back. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll do more storytelling. All right, you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.